Behind the men and women who serve our country are fearless leaders who live in the shadows. They stay up late nights praying, worrying, and waiting for phone calls, filling out mountains of paperwork, and keeping research folders on experimental services. But more importantly, they patiently love our heroes back together again. Welcome to your community. No matter what stage you're at, we're here to provide expert resources, faithful support, and real-life insight into how you can move from managing to living your best life. Your hosts, Libby Bates, Shauna Morin, and Erin McCauley found one another in opposite sides of the country in different stages, but with a common struggle. Together with outside guests and experts, we'll open the resources and support you need. Let's get to the episode. Hey listeners, welcome back. Today we're joined by Tanisha and Tiffany from Combat Divas Podcast. Welcome to Behind the Service, ladies. All right. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Listeners, I invite you to join us online for more conversations, tips, resources, and fun. Behind the Service podcast is on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, all your social media platforms you could imagine. We're on them. But we're also online at BehindTheServicePodcast.com where you can find all of our podcasts, resources, as well as some shopping therapy, which is fantastic because, you know, as women, we love to shop. This week, I am so excited to bring these two ladies on. We have been following their podcast since the beginning of our podcast, and they've been just such an inspiration. But can I tell you, like, if you guys go back and if you listen to their podcast, like, they're straight up raw, real, and they're hilarious. Plus, if you really want to learn how to do some crazy cool dance moves, these two ladies can tell you how to do them and give you some really cool tips. Like, if you could teach us white girls how to dance, that would be legitimately awesome. Hilarious. <laughs> we, 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 we had to get a dance move tip uh, going on. Yeah. Just a little bit. what we did over. We specialized in, in, in teaching the rhythmically challenged. We specialized in that. You know, it, it got us out of work. Like, hey, first time I'm going to teach you how to do this thing. And it, took, <laughs> and it took like an hour. So it was like, all right. <laughs> that was fun. Whoa. <laughs> See ya. Gotta go. He's a short guy too. He's like, "Am I doing it? Am I doing it right? Am I doing it right?" He's like, "You small, got it." So it was hard to tell. Like, you got it. You got it. Small story. Sorry, guys. My husband tells me to just not even try. My husband's like, "No, just stop. Whatever you're doing, don't do that ever again." And that's what I get. But it is pretty bad. <laughs> I'm gonna give you a chance. Like, honey, give me a chance. Give me a chance. No, it's really that bad. I don't blame him. I've seen the videos. Oh, oh, oh no. <laughs> I just dance by myself and I just think I that's what my husband says I do. I just dance by myself. I get in my own little zone. <laughs> He's like, I'm trying to dance with you. I'm like, I'm over here. (laughs) Doing my own thing, you know. (laughs) That works, though. Like, you you look fine if you're doing it by yourself, but then when somebody wants to join in, then it's like a cluster. Yeah, yeah. Or if you've had too many drinks or something, then you're like, oh, I am the best dancer ever (laughs) right now. Okay. 
Exactly. Yeah. I get a few drinks and I swear I can salsa. I swear I can. I, yeah. I, can. I don't know what she's talking I, about. I, that's me. You can salsa. I can. <laughs> I can salsa a little bit. I can keep a rhythm a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> All right, girls. So I usually ask, because you both are veterans, right? Mm -hmm. And so I, I usually ask our, our guests to talk a little bit about your service and like how you guys met, how you guys, you know. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll, I'll start off. I've, um, well, I joined the Army in 2007 and, um, you know, it was, it encompassed me. You know, I was the, I was literally the, the soldier. Like, so uh, I really enjoyed my time in service. I deployed in 2008 to Afghanistan and I was there for a year and then came back and for almost a year and went back to Iraq. And um, that's when, well, Tanisha and I met when we were recruiting together in 2008. Yeah. And um, we ended up going to Iraq together. And I mean, we ended up being kind of best friends throughout that whole experience. and. Yeah, we, we've, we've kind of been joined at the hip ever since. So, uh, But it, it, it was a, a great experience. And I got uh, like kind of a, a head injury when I was in uh, Kuwait and Iraq, started having seizures, had to be medevaced uh, home and never really, I tried to get better, but never really got well. And so eventually I had to have a medical uh, discharge for that. So I joined in December of 2002. I was 17. And I went on my first deployment in 2004 to 2005. I was in Iraq for uh, an entire year. And when I came back, uh, yeah, like she said, 2008 is when we started working together. I probably would have gone on that deployment, but at the time when we was doing recruiting duty, I was uh, pregnant with my son. So I wasn't able to do a whole lot. And when she came back, and I, we were about to go back overseas that following year. We started training, I think, in late 2009, early 2010 or something like that. And mm -hmm. I begged her. I was like, come, <laughs> like, come, come on this deployment with me. She's like, I just got back. I was like, please, please. Yeah. We all begged her to come. And, and that's where we, you know, really, really got a whole hell of a lot closer. And we've been close ever since. It's that, um, and it's just. You know, when you get home, you, you're thinking, okay, I'm home. I don't want to go back to that crap ever again. And you miss it immediately. You know, it's, it's, I don't know what it is. It's just something about the routine and something about it becomes so familiar where now home is this foreign place. And so well, I'm sure you, I'm sure you guys get super close, you know, and well, in combat zones and you know, you're training, you're doing all this stuff. You're out of missions. You're depending on each other for yep. so long every day. And then you come back and you don't have that. So I can imagine that that is just. Yeah. So when so, they were like saying, oh, let's come back. I was like, all right, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably the best place for me right now. I'm, I'm yeah. reckless here. So <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Be at home. That's always, that was what my husband said as well, too, that it was hard for him to come back. He's almost like he didn't know what to do, really. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You, you restless. You, you just really don't know what to do with yourself. Like. My first deployment when I came back in 2005, um, I was 18, 19 when I came. Well, I was 18 when I went and 19 when I came back. And previous to going, I was working as a food prep at the Chicago, uh, the Chicago Cubs at Wrigleyville, Wrigley, Wrigley Field. And oh. when I came back, 
I I was like, well, I'm just going to go back to work. I'm like, I literally just came back from overseas and just went back to my old job just to have something to do. I had yeah. nothing to do. And it's not like I needed the money. It's just I needed to get up every morning and go do something, at least until school started for me. What were some of the most difficult obstacles that you all faced? Because you are women in the military, especially the Army. You have combat experience, too. And then also your minorities. What type of obstacles and issues did you all see? Yeah, uh, well, from the, the female perspective, I mean, being being a woman in the military just means when I walked in the room, I was already discounted. You know, nobody thought I was qualified, that I had the experience, that I, that I knew anything. We, we were both truck drivers. That was our MOS. And, you know, when I hopped on the truck, it was like, ah, you know, you don't have to get up on this big thing, girl. You can just go on to the side. It's okay. You know, so you, you are literally, you have to prove yourself. You are not given any benefit of the doubt that you know anything and that you, you're, you're, you're not going to be the strongest. You're not going to be tough enough. And so a lot of women end up uh, overdoing it, you know, just to prove like, hey, I'm, I'm just as good as the guys. And it's just because you don't want to be discounted. You know, you don't want to be the one, you know, uh, dragging the load. So you, you go in there and, and you have to, uh, most women will tell you, I had to overwork to, to be even counted as, as one, of the, one of the guys, quote unquote. So that was the first part about being a female, being counted out. Secondly, I mean, it's crappy because, you know, females got shit going on, right? So like, you know, you got the A, it takes, you still got to do your hair in the morning, you got to get all that stuff straight, unless you cut it. And then, even then, you still got to make sure it's straight. Yeah. B, you got lady stuff going on, so you got to make sure that's straight. Even if you're in the field, you still got lady stuff going on, so that gets kind of weird. That would have to be the worst part, I think, for me. I'm just going to say, hands down, that would be the worst part for me is that right there. And, like, you can't ever be in a bad mood because if you are, she must be on the right axis. Like, dude, we're all upset right now. (laughs) Like, Right. (laughs) But they want you to be tough. They're like, oh, why don't you be tough? And then if you get too, if you feel, if they feel like you're being too tough, then they think you're being super emotional or you're just being, um, just too much. So it's then it's like, on. oh, she must be on her period. I was like, oh, so now you don't like me that I'm voicing my opinions. I'm being loud. I'm being a leader. I'm being all these things that you was talking to me and wanted me to be. Yeah. Now I'm being these things and it's too much. Now it's too right. much. I'm being emotional now. Oh, yeah. It's too much. You can't handle it. Uh-huh. You, can't, you, can't, you can't handle me. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Being, being, and, and then I was short too. So being a female, I, I had, I was, I've always been loud. I've always had a really loud voice. But um, I don't, like, use it unless it's necessary to, like, really be loud and thunderous. And that's the only way I could command attention is to, to turn. I, I used to call it my Martin Luther the King voice. But um, I, I would turn it on, and then everybody's like, oh, 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 sorry, Sergeant, I didn't mean it. And then, you know, I could kind of go from there. So it, it took a while to even build the, the respect, I should say, that, uh, that I earned, you know, in, in the military. And I, I wasn't the loud one, so... Um I found issues in a unit to where like they would look over me. I'm like, I had time and grade. I'm like, I had deployments under my belt and I have plenty of experience, but they wanted uh, their men to be leading squads. They want their yeah. men to be, they, and they were grooming their men to be leader of the squads. They was grooming their men to be um, put, um, platoon sergeants. 
And I'm like, I can do this. But they thinking that a leader means you have to be in somebody's face, disrespecting them, being just super loud. And I'm like, I can still tell you what to do by just speaking to you and you not being insubordinate and doing what your high, high ranking, you know, NCO is telling you to do. Yeah. And they felt as though just because I wasn't like, hey, blah, 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 get your ass over here, blah, 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 shut the fuck up and get down. <laughs> like, I don't have to do that. So they wasn't grooming me to be a squad leader. They wasn't grooming me to be a platoon sergeant. And then eventually I was like, okay, my time is up here. And I went to another unit because right now I'm still, um, this December, uh, the 26th will be my 18 years in. So. So you're st- you're still in right now? I'm still in. Yes. Oh, okay, okay. I thought you were both veterans. I'm totally misunderstood. I don't know if we said no. it at the beginning of the conversation or I'm just too sleepy to have heard. Yeah. No, we're still no, we're still veterans based off of well, me, I'm still a veteran based off of the the time served uh, okay. on active duty. Yeah. So yeah. I still like I had to I think I had to Google it um a few a few weeks ago for my sister. She was like when I, when I told her happy veterans day, cause she did, uh, the coast guard. And I was like, dude, coast guard. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. That's- <laughs> I was like, Oh, happy veterans day. She was like, Oh, I wish I could say the same sis one day. I was like, pause. Let me tell you. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. no. So, but no, based off of the, the time I've done, um, active duty would still qualify me as veteran. Gotcha. But yeah, but still in fighting a good old fight. Thank you for your service, girl. Seriously, that's... Uh, I didn't get to minority part. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Runaway train, Aaron. Um, No, I just the minority part, really quick, I'll just touch on it. But um, again, I I guess um, it's... it's, it's, uh, I guess I was trying to... The stereotypes, maybe. And we talk about this in the book uh, a lot. Well, for a chapter, pretty much. Um, Just the... What we're perceived to be before we start to even talk, you know? So, but when I walk in the room, I was already perceived to be, you know, attitudinal, you know, kind of ghetto. Plus, I'm from Chicago, so it was like, oh, here, here we go. And then once I started to talk, I was like, oh, you're refreshingly educated. So we would get like <laughs> th- these type of remarks. I mean, because there's, I mean, unfortunately, we that's just how they talk in the military. What? I mean, yes. literally, like, now I'm not even joking. Like, literally, it's been said to both of us. I'm yeah, sure. well spoken. Yeah. Like, that's oh. the worst thing you can say. Look at you, smart. Yeah, um. <laughs> you're so well spoken. It's like I, I went to school. Like, yeah. I, I, I read a book every right. now and again. <laughs> I mean, I speak the language. Like, it's what? always, it's <laughs> always funny to see the surprise face. Oh, look at you. <laughs> Great uh, vernacular. So very vernacular. I love that word, vernacular. So, if I say I have a degree, oh, oh, <laughs> oh, you have a you have a bachelor's. Wow, look at oh, you. Your family should be so proud. <laughs> the first one in your family, am I right? So right. It's like we, whoa, we, <laughs> we we definitely got those kind of things. But the the good part about the military is that you can you can throw it right back. So you know. They yeah. tell us about the fried chicken. We we would tell them, oh, it's taco night. That's what it's about. <laughs> so we, we just keep going like that. South yeah. Bay steak night was another one. So yeah. it was it was it was okay. It was you know we you just <laughs> learn to to talk it back and uh, again you have to earn your respect in that matter too being minority. Yeah. So because it's riddled yeah. with stereotypes, like all is all is riddled with stereotypes. like all these different stereotypes they put up on us. 
And then we find ourselves throwing it right back too. So it's it's all mixed. But yeah, obviously, like if a person walk up on people that's in the military and they're not in, they can definitely take the conversation somewhere completely where it shouldn't be. And we're okay with bouncing it back off each other because to us it's funny, but other yeah. people listening in, it's like it's oh my, oh my god. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, sure, sure. Y'all are cracking us up. Like my husband and I are over here dying. He knows, he knows. <laughs> yeah. And my husband said too, I don't know, I, I I can't see you all, so I don't know which one is which, but the one that is um that is in the army currently, my husband was like, Man, you sound like you're a, an awesome squad leader, did you say? NCO. Yeah, an awesome NCO, period. He likes your attitude. Well, thank you. How was managing military life or is managing military life and being a mother and a wife? Yeah. The wife part. <laughs> so my, my husband is actually uh, still currently serving as well. Um, and we, we met in the military. Uh, I, when I got pregnant with my daughter, I was a, I was a staff sergeant, but it was, um, I had a really, I had a, like a, not a rough pregnancy, but I was sick a lot. And so I found myself trying to hide it a lot, you know, and push myself as much as I could because, you know, I was still a leader at the time. I was a squad leader and I used to run ammo back and forth. And um, I remember when they sat me down, like I I didn't cry openly, but I had to go to the latrine and just cry. I I remember bawling like real tears because I couldn't do the work and I didn't want the soldiers to see me as weak and all that. So I went through that as far as pregnancy. But once I had my baby, I mean, they would call me soft and I didn't care. I mean, it changed my whole life. It was my first kid. And it was something about having a little person that I'm now taking care of that that made all the world of a difference. I became a little softer, but it was hard to leave her. You know, uh, every time I had to do a troop movement or whatever, sometimes for me to let her go. It was like dropping off, like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go now. All right, all right. Yeah. Okay. I'm gone. You know, like over <laughs> and over again, because I, I really missed her. But uh, my husband is, is super supportive. I, I really appreciate it, but primarily because he serves as well. So like he, he understands the, everything about it. And he actually taught me a lot. Um, he was my squad leader. Well, uh, let me take that back. He was my platoon sergeant for a while and we were not dating at the time, but <laughs> put it out there. I'm- once he left the unit, we started dating right after that. Let me make that clear because <laughs> he's my superior and, you know, we were supposed to have a thing going on. But, you well, know, uh-huh. I, like, would, I would catch him looking at my booty. I, I would say, you know, <laughs> okay, okay. So he wanted me, you know, it's just, you know, it's a matter of time. But he couldn't have you. Couldn't have me at the time. Because so. it was against the rules. <laughs> I, I love that. I love that. That's so yeah. funny. I would look at my booty. Too. <laughs> You're like, I would look at my booty. <laughs> I would look at it too. <laughs> Look back at it. Look back. Look, look, look back at it. Okay. <laughs> but um, but managing it was it was just difficult. It's difficult to leave them. You know, you, you have this uh just super mom guilt about uh leaving your kid and super wife guilt about just leaving your responsibilities here to go and serve. So yeah, um, me um me I'm a single mom, and I had to leave my son. He was like a year and a half when I went on my second deployment. So. That was extremely hard for me, um, but I do have a did have and still do have a strong support system. Uh, luckily, my mom, she's completely obsessed with her grandchild, 
And she was the one that was watching after him uh, while I was deployed for that, what, it was like 10 months? So about yeah. like 10 months, but we were still gone for about like a year. And I'm like, I, I had trouble leaving him, but at the same time, I'm like, I know he won't remember it. But when I came back, it was a little difficult because he was two and he was still looking to my mom as kind of like that, that mother type of figure. The and, role model. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'm trying to talk to him and then he, and I tell him to do something and he's looking, he looks at me, but then looks to my mom for confirmation. Like, yeah. like, do I, <laughs> hmm, what yeah. am I supposed to do? So when I moved, I waited until I came back home and we moved. So he got that separation to where he's seen that, okay, I'm mom. And okay, this is who I listen to rather than bouncing it off another adult. But I mean, it's, 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 it's hard sometimes. Though. I would I would throw in for Tanisha that she found out actually overseas her son has special needs. He's uh, he's autistic and uh, but highly functional. You know, very smart. And um, she found out overseas. Now I remember the day that she found out we were in Iraq, and she just was like all over the place for a while trying to figure out like, oh my god, like what kind of mom or what what should I do? What can I do? And how do I research this? How do I like, it she just hard. really wanted to reach out and touch him. You know what I mean? And it was very difficult for her to uh, find that out overseas and to try to process it before she got home to, you know, deal with a new, it was going to be a way, a, a new normal. Yeah, so, I was definitely in denial for a while, though. Because I was like, no, like, no, that's, no, he's, he's not autistic. Like, what do you, yeah. what do you mean? And then you have these uh, checklists that you go down through, like, the symptoms. And I was like... No, but he doesn't. Okay, so okay. Well, maybe he does a little bit of this. Oh no, he he's not like okay. No. So maybe he like it was, it was rough. And then actually having to tell it to my mom because she was also in denial too. She was like, "Well, it's nothing wrong." And I was like, "Well, just get him tested, just to be sure." And when I did test him, he was. And I was like, "Okay, so now we got to get him in programs. And what do we do from here?" So it's like yeah. you just go sh- sh- like after you break yourself out of denial part. Because you don't stay, you you cannot stay in that position for too long because it's not helping your child. So once I got out of that mode, I'm like, okay, boom, let's see what resources we can go through, what programs he can be in, and what this, and try to give him the best quality through his development as we can. So. That was really rough. I almost look. I don't know why I, I almost just, forgot about that part. I like, it in, you know. But I found that out when I was deployed, and that was extremely rough to go through and not be there with him and walk him through those programs. And then when I came back home, I'm kind of like on the the edge end of it. Cause I think he ages out when he was like three. So I went through like six more months of it with him and it was, it was pretty rough, but I still have that same support system. My mom is a tremendous help. I have great friends. That's a tremendous help if ever I needed or to rely on even to just vent to. So like my battle buddies really, you know, keep me, keep me sane as possible, even with PTSD. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, Tanisha, you talked about um, being, you had a TBI and you were medically discharged. So what was that transition? Like that was me, Tiffany. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Okay. So what was that transition like? Did you get like medical support? Yeah. After? Um, since it happened while I was overseas, um, I, I got a tremendous amount of, of support. 
And unfortunately, I just can't say that about all the, the soldiers, but um, I, I really transitioned well from, from that portion to getting on some type, because I was having seizures all the time after that, like back to back to back. I got kind of hit in the head with the Obama door and it, it, it kind of went uh, from there, but I was having seizures like a lot and to the point where I, I lost some memory, some speech. Um, I had to learn how to do several things over again. And finally, uh, it started to catch up. The transition process was difficult, though, because the VA is not user-friendly at all. And um, <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. At first, I didn't, you know, I was like, I don't need compensation, whatever. You know, things happen. I'm good. I just want to keep going. And then after a while, you just got to do what's best and say, okay, let me go through the VA system, get my, you know, get the medications right. Because I also had I, TBI and PTSD, so... It was a lot running together, and um, you know, it, it took a while to get a routine and a, a something healthy going on. But I finally got. It. You have such an amazing story. Now I want to hear about Combat Divas. Tell us about where it began, and have you found podcasting helpful in your transition and also with your mental health? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it started two years ago actually, and it was right after I got out of the service. It started out just to talk about the obstacles that we combat as women, right? Just some things that are just unique to, to women. We started getting more traction, and a lot of it was men asking questions like, well, I'm trying to figure out what I did wrong. Now, my girlfriend said it, and then so it just went from there, and it was like, okay, now we got the guys. So, you know, we're trying to still talk to the women, but the guys kept asking questions and, you know, kind of spying. So we just wanted to have this fly on the wall effect where it was a, a safe space where you did kind of feel like you were talking to your girlfriends, just talking about the, the stuff that we, we combat, the overall conundrum of can, can women have it all? Can I have a great career? Can I be a great mom? Can I, you know, can I do all these things and still feel fulfilled and not feel like something's lacking? So, yeah. And this, it's been tremendous for me um, as far as uh, mental health, like, TG, well, Tiffany, she's the one that brought the whole thing to me. Um, like, I've always wanted to do it. I'm like, I have currently in a career that I'm feeling very unfulfilled. So when she brought this to me, I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. I, I, I would love to do it because even when I was in college, I had my own radio show, uh, you know, playing music and, you know, talking to, like, you know, a college campus. Um, in high school, I did radio broadcast. And, like, these are the things, like, I always wanted to get into doing but never – knew how to really start. And when she brought this to me, I was like, it, it was my outlet because I hate my job. So I'm like, okay, I get a chance to talk about uh, military stuff, civilian stuff, stuff that bugs me on a regular basis. And then me and her get to talk back and forth and talk shit like we usually do outside of recording. So I'm like, this is, this is great. We just get a chance to get on the mic and talk and get a chance to help others in the meantime. But it's like, I feel like we wasn't getting on there with, with the straight intentions to like help, help per se. But it was like, as we talking about our experiences, we're in turn helping other people. So I, I, I love it. It's, it's great for my mental. It's amazing. I was just no. going to say, I love our podcast you do because it has helped me so much. It's very therapeutic, right? Yeah, yes. for sure. Very. Speaking of mental health, from perspective of female veterans and female military members, how can we help combat the mental health issues that do stem from the service? And how can we help with all of these horrible suicides that are happening? Yeah. Uh, try to encourage 
um, encourage them to talk to somebody, somebody that they feel close to that they can trust. Um, and if they don't have that, try to, uh, let them know that they can try to put them, put their trust into like a counselor or a therapist, because as much as people don't want to sit down, like, Oh, I don't want to just sit down and just talk about my problems. And, and sometimes just getting it out, just talking about it can be therapeutic. And then especially if you have people on the other end that's listening to you, know exactly how to help you. So at first I had struggles with going to the VA and I went through quite a few therapists because I'm just sitting there, I'm laying out all of my shit and they're just like, "Mm -hmm, okay. And they ask a couple of follow-up questions, but you're not giving me any tools. Like, okay. So I'm like, I can tell everybody my fucking story all day long, but what the fuck do I do with this? Like, okay. So now my shit is out. My hour is up. What, what do I do yeah. with all of this? Yeah. Now, I uh, packed all the shit. And I'm like, I think of it as luggage. So I come to your office and I throw out all my shit. And then you don't tell me how to pack it neatly back into my stuff or get rid of something so it won't be so fucking heavy on me. Now I'm just leaving your office trying to gather myself because everything has been brought to the surface and I don't know what to do with it. So I moved around a lot and then I finally found a lot of like a therapist to where I was able to talk to him and like in two sessions, I already knew what the fuck to do with my feelings. <laughs> I'm like, now you're telling, you're giving me the tools to get rid of this luggage. And by the time, like it was nearing the end of our time together, I didn't walk into his office with a suitcase anymore full of shit. Like I probably had like a shoulder bag full of shit, you know? Yeah. But like I got rid of some stuff. I put stuff in perspective. I was able to put things away and put things on the shelf and and allocate blame where it's supposed to be. So it's like sometimes you may get discouraged about the people. And if you don't feel like you're being helped, move on to the next person. Keep moving around until you find that one person that can help you. Yeah. Just to pick, I, I agree with, with all of that. Just, just to piggyback, th- there are so many resources out here for veterans now. We're in a better place, but we're not there yet. But uh, there's so many non-for-profit groups, as you guys, uh, of course, know. Um, and uh, there are a lot of resources out there. I, I, I work with the American Legion and uh, uh, the Veterans Commission in my, you know, where I live. And I have found out that men, male veterans and female veterans, we deal with stress in, in much, much differently. Female veterans are quick to find a support group of some sort. Like, we'll talk it out. Like, all right, I need, I need a support group. I need somebody to talk <laughs> it out. We got a support group for everything. Sewing, everything, right? So men don't really search out support groups, right? They'll go to the bar. You know, I might go fishing, something like that. So I, I tell my, because most of our American Legion is you know, older older white guys. You know, they don't care about me. They, I'm just there for, for fun. So, uh, <laughs> I, I, I usually tell I them like, I did a project all the time. So every, every couple months I'm coming up with a prop, like a big, they need something big. Like we can just plow this whole field and then build new stuff and we can, and they, they need it. You know, it's like, okay, we got something to do while they're doing it though. They'll talk to anybody. They'll tell a story to anybody. They'll get anything off their tra- chest, but they all oh, look at the dog. But they need something to do. So I, I tell veterans to find find a group that's that's doing something 
and, and do it with them. I don't care if they're, they're knocking down walls, building cardboard boxes, with whatever you got, whatever they're doing. Uh, uh, veterans, unfortunately, we need a mission. Yeah, and, try uh, to get you, involved. In you give them a mission, they'll, they'll be okay. So. Yeah, that's yeah, that's great. Look, give, give them a mission. Give yeah. Them yeah. Yeah, definitely. yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Dude, I totally just lost my place in all of this. <laughs> no, that's okay, I'm just though. listening we're to you guys, and I'm like, we do that to people. We 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 have that effect. It's not just you, Libby. Not I'm just like you. I'm just like listening, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, and then my phone shuts <laughs> off, and I'm like. Whatever, where's it even at right now? <laughs> <laughs> what you said, though, about needing a mission was so true. Like, I was I was almost lost in that, like, just completely listening to you. Yeah. Like, this is, it's so, it's so much truth, and people don't say it enough. Yeah, yeah. definitely, definitely. And it's just, it's just a different how we, how we deal with it, you know, and uh, I, I do find that given it, I don't care. It's something working with your hands, you know, if they have a mission, I, I promise you, veterans do much better when they have something to do. Yeah. And they just make sure they don't feel alone because the more they feel alone and unsupported, then that's when they start to get too far in their heads and feeling like there's nobody they can talk to, nobody that understands them. So it's like, it's harder for a civilian to like to be, have a person that they're with that, you know, struggles from PTSD. Um, and it's like the whole point, it's like, I, I'm trying to find the words, but it's, it's, I had that struggle with my mom. Like when I came back and I'm like, I had all these feelings and all these things that I have been through and all these things that I've seen. And she was like, no, I completely understand. It was like, I was there with you. We don't need that. shit. <laughs> we don't need, I understand. I it was like, I was there with you. No, just listen. Right. Just listen. I don't need no one to say, cause especially if you haven't been, because a person that's been there with you won't even say that shit. <laughs> They'll just be like, word, got you. Yeah. And, and like, and then sometimes it's, you can sit there in silence and then they just know. Yeah. But on the outside, the person on the outside speaks to somebody on the inside. It's, it's a little... It's, it's like just just listen and i, I honestly feel sorry for it like I, and i know you guys have probably dealt with this in various places like dealing with the your, the veteran is it can be difficult right because there there's ups and downs there's highs and lows there's you don't talk to me and then they go out with their buddies and they're like social butterflies like like so if there there's a lot going on in you know the veterans mind especially male veterans and um, it's just, uh, it, it can be difficult. I, I commend, yeah. I com- I always commend the family. I always yeah. come back to say, the, the family is what keeps it together. Because I know, sometimes I tell my husband, if I, was, if I wasn't a veteran, you know, I would leave your ass. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'm <laughs> <laughs> oh, crazy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, shoot, that's funny. I'm <laughs> Go ahead, guys. Sorry, we were just giving you time to find your place. What's that? We were just giving you time to find your place. We know you had lost your notes. Oh, (laughs) I found it a while ago. I was just gonna. (laughs) I'm just listening. (laughs) I end up lost sometimes, but I usually find my way out. I mean, (laughs) so you guys have a book. Uh, Sean had mentioned it at the beginning of the episode. You want to talk to our listeners a little bit about the book and. What the process has been like? Sure. Yeah. Uh, we started actually uh, during the pandemic, so 
Um, but we, 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 we were always talking about, oh, we want to write a book. We wasn't sure where to go. And then we had all this, I, I should say, not saying, I had all this extra time in, in my lap all of a sudden. So I was like, you know, I'm just going to sit down and focus in a few hours and, and get the book in. And we kind of met with a uh, publisher, Unfeathered Ink, and she, she's also a veteran, but she specializes in kind of reading, not reading your mind, but she's good at getting what we're saying onto paper where it makes sense to everybody. Yeah. And uh, we started to do it. It was started out very small. It wasn't. It wasn't meant to be this big book. And the more we started writing, the more it was a lot there. And so the book is pretty much how we combat uh, everyday obstacles, our survival guide, quote unquote, yeah. uh, with some of the tools that we learned in the military. So we we uh, you know unconsciously do it all the time. So we just decided to put it in the book and uh, to see how many other people can identify or can actually use those tools as well. It's like, hey, I never served, but I can actually use that tool. You know, I, I, I never served, but that that makes sense right there. I could, I could do it. So we, we, we have a lot. We have chapters on stereotypes. We have a chapter on our, our little soldiers, the kids, you know, and uh, it, it kind of goes from there. So it was really, it was cathartic even to write the book. Like we, uh, I, I explain it as like a collage of situations that we've been through and that we've witnessed. So like it's, civilian moments military moments and some stuff gets really it's it's gonna get really dark but we are we organized it to where it's it's a little dark but it is light at the end of the, tunnel. At the, end of the tunnel yeah. we don't want to be like oh it's so light it was dark and it's light and it's dark and it's yeah. light and yeah. it's dark at the end you like oh what the fuck <laughs> so, yeah, I feel so bipolar right now. Right. <laughs> so we don't want because that's probably how we witnessed it and how we gone through it. It was like dark light, dark light, dark yeah. light. Yes, but, yes. Uh-huh. Trying to figure out the story and like yeah. put it all together. Yeah. So we, we organized it to where it's like, at the end of the book, you're going to feel like, oh, okay, great. Okay. Yeah. I feel good now. Because like, they was some terrible shit. But now it's like, okay, cool. It's just, yeah. it's just how we've gone through conquering our... our our daily obstacles on and off the battlefield. So, yeah, I love it. So tell us, how do we find the book and how do we find your podcast? Sure. So our, our pre-order start December 15th of 2020, which is, we, I think we said earlier Tuesday. So uh, <laughs> we're excited about that. And uh, you can find it at www.combatdivaspodcast.net. Uh, the pre-orders will be there. Uh, also some merchandise will be up on it at that time. Woo-hoo! <laughs> and um, also, also to find our podcast, we're we're on every pl- platform that uh, podcasting is available. We're on uh, uh, iTunes, of course, Radio Public, iHeartRadio, uh, Stitcher, Stitcher, e- e- pretty much everywhere we, where you can find podcasting uh, right now. And you can also find us on social media. We're on pretty much every social media plat- platform. Uh, but we can find us at Combat Divas Podcast on Instagram, or which is where we met the behind the service ladies. Yes. Uh, or Facebook at our, our uh, Combat Divas Podcast page, or Twitter. Yeah, we're still our, working through Twitter. And our Combat Divas Pod One page. So uh, it's it's been a, a great experience, but that's where you can find our find our book. Yeah. And our podcast. I'm super excited for the merchandise. Just so you know, like I'm <laughs> so jealous about that. But at the end of every episode, we always ask our um, people we have on to leave our listeners with some words of advice. Um, mine is quick. I got three words. I just, I said, never give up. Never give up. No matter how hard it may seem, it's just, 
it's just temporary. So just never give up. Uh, my advice to, to everybody is to uh, l- love yourself first. Be unapologetic in, in who you are. I don't care if you, you're short, tall, fat, skinny, uh, your nose is awkward, whatever. Whatever you got going on, it's okay. Be unapologetic in that and confident in that and love the skin that you in, baby, because uh, somebody loves you. I love you. <laughs> we love you. Walk I love God. Yes. So that's 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 where I'm coming from with it. Like we nice. enjoyed this so much. Did you write that down? Did you write that down? Yeah, I wrote, wrote it. It's in the book. It it's okay. in the book. Right. It'll be in the episode. <laughs> <laughs> so we be dropping gems and you're like, oh, let's just, we should write that shit down. Oh, I do that all the time. I right? know. I'm like, I should be writing this down. Yeah. And we love what you ladies. <laughs> right? Thank you so much. We appreciate everything you guys are doing out there for, for the veterans. You guys are working hard behind the scenes. We appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you so much for having us on here. Thanks for coming. Thanks for not kicking us off early. Be like, damn, they, they keep talking. <laughs> no, no, we love it. We love it. <laughs> Had to wrap it up music. Be like, all right. Uh, <laughs> turn the Christmas lights off. Hi, <laughs> I like put a shade over the, the thing so you don't see. <laughs> Oh, all right right, listeners this week i am going to empower you to do something slightly crazy but just because it's inspired by these two fabulous ladies i want you to create your own at-home music video and submit them to us and i'm going to do a competition and if these two lovely ladies will allow me, maybe they'll help me pick the winner. So yeah. do a fun dance video, get crazy, get some lights, go all out, have fun, and just groove. Because honestly, we all need a little more dance in our life. Yeah, absolutely. Do the stangling. <laughs> I I'm gonna get the I'm gonna get the um, worst dance, uh, whatever the worst dance like trophy is. <laughs> Because now that you've given me a challenge, Shauna, I'm going to do it. I'm gonna but do as it. long as you feel so good cool. doing it, it doesn't even matter. Okay. Just feel good and like dance that shit out and feel good about it. I can't wait. Matter. I can't My wait. daughter just heard me and she goes, eh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell her, submit hers too. <laughs> submit hers too. She's do way better than I am. Yeah, way better. <laughs> Donna, I can't believe you're going to make me do this. So listeners, now is the time of our podcast where we do our scripture. And this week we're going to be reading out of Psalm 59, chapter four, or sorry, Psalm chapter 59, verse 14 through 16. And we're reading out of the New Living Translation. My enemies come out at night, snaring like vicious dogs as they prowl the streets. They scavenge for food, but they go to sleep unsatisfied. But as for me, I will sing about your power. Each morning, I will sing with joy about your unfailing love. For you have been my refuge, a place of safety when I am in distress. And you know, the first thing that comes out that really sticks out to me is where it says my enemies come out at night because I hate believing that we have enemies or that there's bad in the world or, you know, people that don't lift other people up. And that was a really hard thing for me to come to terms with. But once I came to terms with it, I began to start to kind of accept it. And I lost a little bit of that codependency um, attitude that I had a little bit, this kind of fix it mentality that I had, which is not really biblical um, unless you're pointing to truth. 
And then the other thing that sticks out at me is they, they scavenge for food, but go to sleep unsatisfied. Isn't that the most beautiful thing about the gospel is that we can go to sleep satisfied, like knowing that God loves us, knowing that God cares about us, knowing that we have fellow believers like you ladies out here fighting the good fight, you know, I mean, in, in tough conditions too, like, you know, not just easy going, especially with traumatic brain injury and PTSD. My husband has that and it's difficult. It's hard to stay positive. Um, but there's beauty in the fact that we can be satisfied. And, and that's what I love about that verse. Thanks again for having us. And thank you both of you for your service. We haven't done that yet. And we appreciate all of your sacrifices, all of the blood, sweat and tears and joy that you have given to our country. It's priceless. Thank you. Thank you for your support. I have enjoyed this conversation so much, guys. So much. Yes. (laughs) Thanks for coming on Behind the Service, girls. And uh, thanks for listening to Behind the Service. If you enjoyed today's episode, will you leave us a review? It helps more people like you find this podcast. Bye. Bye. Bye.